Hey everyone, I am so glad that you are with us either in person or online. Uh, there's three things coming up that I want to make sure that you know about. The first one is that Wednesday, September 9th, we are kicking off our school year midweek programming. We are so excited about this. It's for pre-K through adults, and we're starting off at 6 o'clock with an ice cream social. So make sure you get here, enjoy some ice cream, and get ready for a great night. The second thing is, is we're going to be doing communion together as a church September 12th and 13th. Now, if you're not able to be here with us in person, you can still be a part of that, and there's two ways to do it. The first one is we have the elements here, and you can come by at your convenience and pick some up. They're contained, and they're gluten-free, and they're available to you. The other option is just use whatever you have at home, and you can still be a part of that time with us. The third thing is that we are doing another movie night. On Friday, September 18th, we're watching Mary Poppins Returns. It's going to be so much fun. Our concessions are going to be open from 6.30 to 7.30, and then the movie will begin at 7.30. Listen, you are not here by accident. We believe that God has something for you today. So get ready. Church is about to begin. Thanks for joining us uh, both here in person and online. We stand up. We're going to sing together and worship the name of the Lord. Come on, lift your voice and sing. We've waited for this day. We've gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty from your heart, feel every part of our praise. Your presence, your presence in this place, your glory on our face, we're looking to the sky. Descending like a cloud, you're standing with us now, and Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're seeing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our brain. We say, open up the heads. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. 
Lord, we just declare that you are great, and we thank you for being with us. And, uh, as we continue on in, in worship and continue on in this morning, thank you for meeting with us and for being with us right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. You guys can have a seat. I'm thankful um, to gather with you this morning, to be with you online. I have a few things to share with you guys. Um, coming up on September 9th, we have our fall kickoff, and so we've got men's and women's studies. Um, men's, uh, they're, they're tackling a topic called, you know, how to live honorably in turbulent times. And I couldn't think of a better topic to tackle something like that during this time. And so, ladies, you're going to start the following week on the 16th, um, but there's going to be students and children they are going to kick off on the 9th, and so we're really excited about what's happening with that. We're having ice cream social for the kids, so those of you that wish you were back in kids' ministry... <laughs> Uh, you know, just know they're going to have a great time on, on Wednesday night. So that's going to be on the 9th, and it's going to start at 6.30. This social is at 6, right? 6 o'clock. And then uh, we're, we're looking forward to starting at 6.30. The second thing is we're having an, uh, another drive-in movie. So if you didn't know, we're having another drive-in movie because we had so much fun. We're going to have more party, right? And so we're going to be showing Mary Poppins Returns, and that's going to be on September 18th. And it's gonna, so we're going to start the movie at 7.30 because it's getting darker. And uh, we're going to start concessions at 6.30. So, guys, come on up. But we're going to start that movie at 7.30. We're asking you just RSVP on the front page of our website and let us know you're coming. It's going to be a good time. Looking forward to that on September 18th. Um, this last weekend, I want to share with you guys a picture. This last weekend, uh, Pastor Josh Watts asked me to come up and share uh, the message at his church. And so I just want to encourage you guys. What God is doing in Newcastle is amazing. And I love that we can go and check out different churches and be a part of what God is doing in the Big Seat Church, right? Because God's on the move here in Finleyville and Newcastle and all over the world. And so it was exciting. And so just know that it's been a year since they've been out there. So can we just thank God for what he's doing in Newcastle? Can we celebrate that? It's been a year. 
Remember the whole team from Newcastle was up front and we were praying for them and sending them out. And I'm just telling you, people's lives are being changed because the gospel is going forth and Pastor Josh and his wife Shannon and their team are doing a phenomenal job. If you have a chance to check them out, you know, you know go check them out. It's, I mean, that, that church meets in an old comedy club in a mall in Newcastle. And then like the kids ministry is like right by the boardwalk. And it's just, it's, it, there's some really, really neat things that God is putting in their path. And so, um, just check out what's happening at city church in Newcastle. Uh, Josh is doing a phenomenal job. It's cool because I see so many things that are similar to what God's doing here, uh, because of the DNA that, that we share. So it's just really powerful stuff. I want to pull up a verse, um, as we continue on, as we just talk about giving and being faithful. Um, this is first Chronicles twenty nine fourteen, and it says, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Guys, as we continue to be faithful in giving of our finances, it all comes from the Lord. And as we give, let's give generously because we know it is given generously to us. And so we know that sometimes we give, and it hurts, um, and God's growing us. So thank you for giving, and thank you for being on mission here at Crossroads. You can give online, in the mail, or there's boxes in the auditorium or in the lobby. But let's continue on in prayer as we... Uh, as we continue on in worship. Lord, we uh, thank you, Lord, for being with us. Lord, truly everything comes from you. And Father, as we, um, as we seek to be generous, and, and in God, we, we want to be generous with our finances. We want to be generous with our time. We want to be generous with all, the, the, all that we've been given because it's come from you. And so, God, I'm thinking about just people in our communities. I'm thinking about people in our church. I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, as we seek to be the church, May we be generous with our, our time, with our finances, with our resources, um, Lord. But most of all, would we just go forth and know that we've been given a message, and that is a message of hope. And that message of hope is Jesus Christ. Lord, you are great, and we just worship you. And Lord, as we um, stand back and sit in, in, in your presence, God, I pray that we would just just have a moment where we can just lift up our hands, whether it's in, in lifting up and singing or if it's just in the quietness of our heart, God, that we can worship you and just thank you for all um, that we've been given. We ask all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorrows and may them. 
for who you are, Lord, amazed at who you are, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the stars and the sea, that we can worship you and you hear our prayers and our, our praises, God. We love you for that. Soften our hearts as we hear your word, Father. And everybody said, amen. Aren't you glad to be here today? Let's thank our great God. Happy Labor Day weekend. Don't you just love that song? I love that. How marvelous, how wonderful. I just looked that up online. That song was written in 1905. 
Here we are more than 100 years later still singing something that is powerful in such deep theology. Let's thank God for stuff like that. It lasts the test of time. Amen. God is so good. I just love that. Uh, we're in the middle of our series here. Actually, we're wrapping up our series today, Facing Your Giants. Next week, we're going to move into, we're going to have communion. Uh, we're going to have the Lord's Supper here. So uh, we will not be passing it down the aisle. So there will be, you know, with the whole COVID thing, we're not allowed to pass anything down the aisle. So when you come in, there will be prepackaged uh, communion uh, elements that you take and, uh, and you can hold on and we'll use it in the service. But next week, I'm excited. We're just going to sit back and kick off our fall with communion. Amen? Our God is so good. And uh, we're just thanking God for the ability that we have to, uh, to, to do that next week. And today we're wrapping up this series on Facing Your Giants, and, and uh, what an incredible summer it's been. We've had more sunshine this summer than any other summer. I'll tell you what, this is fantastic. And, but we've been facing our giants, and we're looking at these giants, and I hope and pray that God has taught you something through this. Like you've been able to identify some giants that, that you have to face, and, and that you haven't run from those giants, that you've faced them with the power of God Almighty. Today we're going to wrap up this, and I'm going to wrap up talking about the toughest of giants. You know, um, I'm going to throw up this picture here, and this is a picture of something that most of you don't like. That's a picture of an anaconda, a snake. How many like snakes? Okay, said no one, right? All right, just Sandy, just Sandy, right? But uh, not too many people enjoy snakes, and so, uh, you know, I I was reading about this story in 2007 uh, in Brazil. A young boy was attacked by an anaconda. This is uh, from the Associated Press, 2007, February of 2007. A 66-year-old Brazilian uh, saved his grandson from the grip of a 16-foot anaconda by beating the snake with rocks and a knife for a half hour, the police said. When I saw the snake wrapped around my grandson's neck, I thought it was going to kill him. I I was agonizing. I pulled it from one side, but it would come back on the other. The eight-year-old grandson was attacked by the anaconda near a creek on his grandfather's ranch uh, in a city about 250 miles northwest of Sao Paulo. Uh, While the boy was playing in the fields, the snake attacked and wrapped itself around him. Police officers said, and, uh, and the anacondas are not poisonous, but they kill their prey by coiling around them and squeezing until the victims suffocate. It brought me to the ground and bit me, the boy said. Which, by the way, I read that they have, some of them can have as many as 100 teeth. Uh, it, it brought me to the ground and it bit me, the boy said. Then it started crawling up my neck and began suffocating me. Uh, the boy's friend ran to get his grandfather, who reached the scene and battled the snake until it released the grandson. The boy was rushed to the hospital and needed 21 stitches on his chest where he was bitten. Police said anacondas are not uncommon in the region, but attacks on the people are. And I was just thinking about that. You know, could, could you imagine? This is an actual picture from the, from the news footage. And, and here was the 16-foot anaconda come in and, uh, and begin to, to, to come on its prey and kind of just starts to squeeze and grip until, until he eventually he would have won. And grandfather comes over, and I read another account that said that grandfather said it was like beating a rubber tire. Like he, he, he took a machete and he kept beating and beating. It took him a half hour of beating this mammoth snake. Some of those snakes can get up, uh, I've read about the anaconda, they can get up to 30 feet long and as, long, and as heavy as 500 pounds. I want you to think about that because that's like the giants in our life. There are some giants in your life that are a stronghold. 
And when you think about a stronghold, a stronghold is a place, it's like the enemy has come in and he's put a flag in your life and he says, I'm claiming this territory and I'm just going to keep my grip on you. I'm just going to keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing till I get every ounce of life out of you. And But you know what? Many of us, whenever we have these the strongholds in our life, we look at them and we, and we don't often think of them as strongholds. We, we, we just look at them and say, well, that's just an area that we're never going to have victory over, and, and we just kind of walk away. We kind of come and go, and many times we actually feed that area. And I want you today to have victory over that area because Satan has no place in the life of a believer. Did you hear that? Satan has no place in the life of a believer. Would you say that with me? Satan has no place in the life of a believer. So there are certain things that are, are strongholds, and, and the stronghold for you is going to be different than a stronghold for me. And the stronghold for, for, for you is going to be different than, than the person sitting next to you or the person in front of you or behind you today because we all are struggling with different areas that, that are your weak spot that is the place where Satan's attacking you the most. You know, we all have victory over sin. And uh, there are many sins that we have victory over, but there are some sins that just keep coming back at us. They keep coming back. They keep squeezing us. They keep, they keep sucking the joy out of the Christian life. You know, David, we, we've been talking a lot about David through this series, David and Goliath. And David was known for the big battle. But I'll tell you what, David faced a lot of other battles. Um, I'm going to just read a few verses here that are not on the screen. So, uh, but let me just read this for you. First Chronicles 20, verse 1 says, It happened in the spring of the year, at the time the kings go out to battle, that Joab led out the armed forces and ravaged the country of the people of Ammon. And he, and he, became, he came and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem, and Joab defeated Rahab and overthrew it. And as I'm reading this, I'm, I'm reminded of the, of the moment whenever David stays back in Jerusalem and he sends out the armies and he's having an affair with Bathsheba. And he looks over at Bathsheba and he sends her husband out to be on the front lines and her husband ends up getting killed. And I'm saying, how can this be this man who's a man after God's own heart? There was a stronghold in his life. And when I see about, about a man after God's own heart, do you know the difference between a man after God's own heart and a man not after God's own heart? Is he comes back and he repents. In Psalm chapter 51, David cried out before the Lord. He said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And folks, that's exactly what these strongholds do. They take your joy. They suck the life out of you. They suck the joy out of your Christian life. And as David faced this, he, he had this great sin. He had this great affair. And, uh, and he has a kid to this lady. And, and, and I mean, this thing goes on and on and on. And God's, God's like, all right, David, you're a man after my own heart. But that, that's not what I'm all about. And David realized that he comes back to God and he says, listen, create in me a, a, a clean spirit, Lord. I come and I beg forgiveness for the sins that I have done. And that is the difference between a man after God's own heart and a man not after God's own heart. Uh, David took their king's crown from, from his head and he found it to weigh a, a talent of gold. And I read that a talent of gold was probably about 70 pounds. And they were precious stones in it. And it's set on David's head, obviously not for very long 
I think the average crown is three to five pounds at the most. They put the 70 pounds of gold on his head. Uh, and he also brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. And he brought out the people who were in it and put them in work, uh, to work with saws and irons and picks and, a- and axes. So David did to all the cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. So we see some great victories. But I want to encourage you to understand this, that the battles will continue to rage. Look here, uh, verse 4 here. First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 4. Now it happened afterward, afterward that the war broke out at Gezer with the Philistines, at which time Sabakai, the Hushite, uh, killed Sippai, who was one of the sons of the giant. Remember the, David and Goliath when he was a young boy? One of the sons of the giant. So they're still fighting these descendants. And, and, and these giants continue to, uh, to live on. And they have, there's more battles that have to be fought. And it says that they were subdued. Again, there was war. Uh, there was war with the Philistines. And Elion, uh, Elhanan, the son of Jair, killed Lamai, the brother of Goliath, the, the Gittite. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. So we see the same description as w- for, from the original giant that David fought, right? The shaft was it like a weaver's beam. So these, these guys were gigantic. They were mammoth, and there was all these problems that they had to face. Yet again, there was the war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature with 24 fingers and toes, six on each hand and six on each foot. Now I want you to catch this, because it says that he was born of the giant, but it doesn't tell us his name. Six on each hand. You imagine the grip that you would get from that guy? No, no hand shaking that guy, right? COVID or not, you're not shaking that guy's hand. You know what I mean? It, you know, he's coming and he is gripping you. I mean, he, you want to talk about a stronghold. Six toes on each foot. And I looked it up. I'm like, where, where does this come from? You know, you, you look in, in the Bible and you wonder, where do some of these things come from? Uh, there's a thing called uh, polydactyly. And it means many digits. You get extra digits. Some people will grow an extra finger. You may know somebody that has six fingers. But you probably don't know too many people that have 24. Six, 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 and six, right? Um, this guy was a mammoth giant. By, by the way, on that research, I was researching a little bit of David and Goliath, you know. And I saw one guy come up with this theory that, uh, that Goliath had a pituitary tumor. And that's why he fell to the stone. And I'm like, Really? We can't give God a little credit here, right? <laughs> we, I mean, it, God lined that stone to go exactly to that pituitary tumor. But, you know, we, we just couldn't give God enough credit. But anyhow, uh, just imagine the, the stronghold here. With 24 fingers and toes, six on each hand and six on each foot. So the, the battle rages. And what I'm showing you here is that the battles will continue. David is now king. He went from being shepherd boy to the king. Nobody saw him as a king, but God did. And so as the shepherd boy lived on, he, takes, he, he goes from being shepherd boy, goes to be the king, and there were battles that he fought privately, battles that he fought publicly, and many, many victories were to be had. He was also born of the giant, this guy. So when, so when he defi- defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. These were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. I want you to take this home today. 
we have many giants, and the battle continues daily. There are strongholds in your life that you've got to deal with. And as soon as you deal with one giant, you know, I would have, wouldn't it be great if the story were over? David killed Goliath with five little stones and one little stone went round and round and round and round. You know? And it sounds great, but nobody ever told me about this giant with 24 digits. No, I mean, it's like, wait a minute, you have to... Chronicles, you have, you have, those are, that's where the pages stick in your Bible, okay? And, and you have to open them up, and you have to read those, all right? Although now you're all digital. You don't know about sticky pages in your Bible. We used to call the sticky pages. That's the part where nobody reads, right? Because the pages would sit there, and they'd get tacky together. Um, we have many giants in, in the Bible. And, and there, uh, in, in your life, there are many giants in your life. And so there, some of them have an extra grip on you. Some of them have an extra hold on you. I like what Jay Packer says about this. Uh, Jay Parker says about this. He says, do not underestimate the powers uh, that are opposed to you. Count their fingers, count their toes, measure their stature. Take their weight, calculate them to a nicety as to what they can possibly do. He is a fool who calls a giant a dwarf. The powers of this world are not to be sneered at. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a cripple? No. Like a weakling? No. Like a thing that may be despised? No. Like a roaring lion. And no man has ever sneered at a lion. And so as you're looking at these things, what's the application you could take? You've got to know that your enemy is real, that there is a legitimate enemy that you must deal with here. 1 Peter 5.8, look what, what, what Peter, this was the warning. Peter had his own ups and downs. And look at the warning that Peter said. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is not something with a, a little, you know, a little, little red horns, little red suit, and a pitchfork. He's much slyer than that. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I want you to think about the strongholds in your life because those strongholds are a place where Satan is coming to devour you. And yet many people underestimate this. Many people say, well, I've got this under control. If I could have a dollar... For every time somebody said, I've got this under control, and they came back to me and said, my life has been destroyed. Folks, you can't control a stronghold. You have to defeat it. Neither give, the scripture says, neither give place to the devil. It's like this. You have to shut the door on that, and a stronghold is like Satan putting his foot in and keeping the door open. And, and, and you protect that place is what you do. And, and, and you underestimate it. And you're looking at it and you're saying, oh, it'll never harm me. It's like Jurassic Park. Anybody ever watch Jurassic Park? You know? There's, there's great, great things out there. Don't underestimate it. Great, powerful adversary. I want you to watch this clip from uh, Jurassic Park here. It's a little distorted, but I don't think it's a computer. Oh, postmortem contraction of the posterior neck ligaments. Velociraptor? Yeah, it's good shape, too. It's five, six feet high, I'm guessing nine feet long. Look at the extraordinary... What'd you do? He touched it. <laughs> Dr. Grant's not mission compatible. Oh, they've got it in for me. 
And look at the half-moon-shaped bones on the wrists. No one of these guys learned how to fly. No, seriously. All right. Well, maybe dinosaurs have more in common with present-day birds than they do with reptiles. Look at the pubic bone, turned backward, just like a bird. Look at the vertebrae, full of air sacs and hollows, just like a bird. And even the word raptor means bird of prey. That doesn't look very scary. More like a six-foot turkey. <laughs> a turkey, huh? Okay. Try to imagine go. yourself in the Cretaceous period. You get your first look at this six-foot turkey as you enter a clearing. He moves like a bird, lightly bobbing his head. And you keep still because you think that maybe his visual acuity is based on movement, like T-Rex. And he'll lose you if you don't move. But no, not Velociraptor. You stare at him, and he just stares right back. And that's when the attack comes, not from the front, but from the side. And the other two raptors, you didn't even know were there. Because Velociraptor's a pack hunter, you see. He uses coordinated attack patterns, and he is out in force today. And he slashes at you with this. Six-inch retractable claw, like a razor, on the middle toe. He doesn't bother to bite your jugular like a lion, see? No, no. He slashes at you. Here, or here, oh, or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. The point is, you are alive when they start to eat you. So, you know, try to show a little respect. Okay. Okay. A six-foot turkey, that's all it is. You know, that's what we do to strongholds in our life. Ah, it's just a drink. Destroyed your parents' life. Destroyed many people's life. Ah, oh, I got this under control. I can, I can handle this. No, you can't. Oh, it's just one look. Destroying your life. You can't even be free to talk to other people because of that look. It, it, it's just just one little cheat. And, and so we, we look and we have all these things in our life that are, that, that, are, that are Satan's strongholds. And if you look at those strongholds and you don't deal with them, it's going to destroy. And so what happens is we, we justify because of, because of religious liberties, Christian liberties that we have. And listen, I never see anywhere in the Bible that they justified anything by, oh, well, I'm free. I get to do whatever I want. Uh, as you go through there, Christian liberties, the, the Christian liberties are necessary. Yes, we are free, and, and, and yeah, you know, the whole meat offered to idols thing. But, man, there are many things that, that are coming into our lives that, listen, if you let Satan have a foot, he's going to destroy. He is, he is no six-foot turkey. He wants to take his prey, and he wants to destroy you alive. Because if he can disable you by any of these Things, any addictions, any hurt. You know, Pastor Al a few weeks ago talked about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You know, many of them are, are strongholds that come into our life, and, and many people will let a hurt come into their life. And, and they will let, as you deal with this pain, you deal with that hurt, they will, they will let that become a reason to no longer follow God. 
I've had many people through the years come and say, well, I had a bad experience. I had a bad experience. And I said, you know, that's, you're right. You had a bad experience. Folks, I've had many bad experiences. This is part of life. It's called family. But I'll tell you what. I'll take the bad experiences in this family versus the bad experiences in the world right now. Amen? Go out there and look at the world. They are, they are hating each other. You know, we have disagreements. We have things that are going to happen. We are a community of fallen people that have been redeemed. And so, therefore, along the journey, sometimes we bump into each other. Sometimes there's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be disagreements. And I'll tell you what, that is not a reason to let Satan have a stronghold in your life. And I want to encourage you folks, let's not let any reason, whether it's a hurt in the church, a hurt in your family, a hurt in the community. Uh, I thought God would do this, and he didn't. God has a timetable that is not yours. And so, so do not go out and place the stronghold. Do not let Satan put that foot inside of your door. What is it that Satan stalks you with? Today we're talking about the giant of strongholds. What is it that Satan is stalking you with on the giant? What is your stronghold, the giant of strongholds? Problems that stalk your life. What are some of the problems that stalk your life? Where does Satan hook into you? For some people, it's cheating. For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's pornography. For some people, it's immorality. For other people, it's worry. Well, everybody worries, right? But for some people, it's extreme. It's anxiety. They're, they're overtaken. For some people, it's judgmental. Being judgmental, I'm going to condemn everybody else. Others, it's anger. Others, it's a, a, a temper, a, a fragile self-image, distrust for authority. Do, do you realize that, the, the, that when you have distrust for authority, that's, that's a stronghold that Satan has placed in your life? And these are like the Loch Ness Monster. They're like that snake that just comes up and he keeps squeezing and squeezing and squeezing. And you say, I can't get out of this. There, it's like beating a rubber tire. I'm never going to be able to succeed. The enemy clings onto you like a bear trap. And the more you shake it, the tighter it gets. You know, the, the word stronghold, and I think we have a slide for that. This is the giant of strongholds. The, the stronghold is, uh, is mentioned 50 times in the Bible. And what was a stronghold? A stronghold was a place that has been fortified so as to uh, protect from attack. And so what happens is some of these sins come into our life, and we protect them so that we can keep them. And it's like the guy who bought the baby, the baby tiger, and he kept feeding the baby tiger, and he kept growing with the baby tiger, and one day the tiger <laughs> destroyed. And, and it went from this cute little kitten to, the, to this tiger that destroys. And so I want to encourage you today to understand that there are strongholds in our life. A stronghold is a place that has been fortified. And so you fortify it so it doesn't get attacked, so that, so that you can keep this little area over here. And, well, you know what? God knows I'll never be able to get out of that. And so some of us, we keep feeding those areas. Some, some keep uh, trying to get rid of those areas. We shake it, and it's so hard. But I want to share with you today that there is victory. You don't have to live in that defeat. You don't have to live with that giant. You don't have to live with that stronghold in your life every day for the rest of your life. You know, some strongholds seem to be invincible. It seems as though that we cannot beat them. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4 talk about this. It says this, and I think we have that verse there. 1 Corinthians 4, 10, 4. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, folks, there's strongholds in our life. How do we demolish them? With the weapons that God gave us. Not with self-help, not with I think I can, but with prayer and with fasting and submission to the name of God Almighty. And here's what happens. This is the, the thing of the stronghold is for every one of us, that stronghold in our life is a matter of submission to God's authority. Uh, we justify, we make, th- we make ourselves feel good, we, 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 we go through all these things to make the stronghold so that we can live with it. And God says, listen, I died on the cross so that you don't have to have a foot in the door from the enemy. So that, so that you can be released of that pain, of that misery, and, and, and you even, you're, it's even disguised. You think it's fun. God says, listen, get rid of this stronghold in the name of, of the Lord God Almighty. For the weapons that we fight with, they're not against flesh and blood. They're against the spiritual, the wickedness in our world. Strongholds. It was a military term. Uh, talking about a fortress, Jericho walls. You remember the story of Jericho? Uh, That was a city fortified by walls. They couldn't break it down. Um, This is what happens in our life. It's fortified. So check this out. What does God tell us to do? Look over here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, and he's saying therefore because in chapter 11, he went through the great hall of faith. He said, you know, all these great heroes of the Old Testament. He walks through all the Old Testament heroes that did great things. As many of them stumbled, but they still had great faith. You see Samson in there. You see uh, 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 Rahab. You see a number of these people that God used in some incredible ways, right? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, seeing as, you know, I've just told you all these great people of faith, and we're surrounded. Like, this is our legacy. This is faith. He says, since, since you're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run. All right, we're going to leave that on one slide for just a minute. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us persevere. I, I want you to catch this this morning because, because there, the, the, the way that you overcome a stronghold is, is right here, to throw off. God is very clear. Get rid of the things that hinder you. This isn't even talking about sin, folks. There are some good things in your life that are hindering you. What are those good things in your life that are hindering you today? Maybe it's just your boat. Sorry, they're all on the boat today. Forgive me. <laughs> You're watching online, right? You know? maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the boat. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's your car. Maybe it's, it's, it's your pride. Maybe it's your company. It's your business. What, what is it? What are the things that hinder you? Maybe it's just watching too much news. I've had to throw some of that off lately. Channel surfing on the news. Who ever thought would do that? Like, like he says, throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you. What's the sin that entangles you? 
for you, it's probably a different sin than for me. And for somebody else, it's something different. So God says, get rid of this. Like, do some house cleaning. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the things that hinder. And get rid of the sin that easily entangles. Now, he says, let us run with perseverance. Let us run the race with perseverance. Some sins can easily be avoided, but we don't. Some sins are admired, yet they shouldn't be, and we should lay them aside. Some sins are ensnaring and especially harmful. Some sins are more dangerous than others. And he says, let us run with endurance. Let us not quit running the race. He says, let us run. You're running the race with Christ. Christ is with you at the beginning of the race. He's there during the race. He's there every step of the way. Let us move forward. The apostle himself uh, is, is running with us. The apostle Paul was running this. He said, look at the great cloud of witnesses. Uh, endurance is needed to run the race. And that translates out, uh, which, means, uh, which, which does not mean the patient which sits down and accepts things, but the patience which masters them. Like, we're not just sitting down. Endurance isn't something you sit down and let the race finish. Endurance says, I have patience that even though this is long, I'm going to keep going. And so I'm going to have perseverance. I'm going to endure. He continues on, verse 2 here. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus started this, and he's going to finish it. Amen? We have great confidence and assurance. He says, let us fix our eyes. Place your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I I, I love this. Anytime I see this in the Bible, when God says don't do something, he gives you something to replace it with. He says, get rid of the things that are stopping you from growing. Get rid of it. Like, stand up to it. Don't baby this thing. Don't keep feeding it. Because it's hurting your most important relationship. And are you willing to sacrifice over here so that this relationship will grow deeper and grow stronger? And you'll reap way more benefits from this than you will anything else. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what a runner does. Look at this slide here. I want you to catch this because I think that this picture says so much. And as I was thinking about this, we're talking about strongholds. So we have strongholds in our life, and, and, and he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Where is this guy's eyes looking? He's looking straight ahead. He's looking to the goal. He's looking to the very end. And as he's looking to the very end, he sees the hurdle. And so he knows that the hurdle's there. It's amazing how runners, they know their, they know their hurdles. They know how to jump over a six-foot hurdle or whatever. You know, uh, six-foot would be pretty tall, I guess, right? But they know how to jump over a two-foot hurdle, a four-foot hurdle. And, yeah, must have been Goliath running a race, right? You know, woo, yeah. Legs flying everywhere. They know how to jump over the hurdles. And this, this to me is, is what I'm seeing in Hebrews 12. He says, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on Jesus because he's at the finish line. And not only is he at the finish line, he's right there beside you. He says, keep your eyes. Don't look down at these hurdles. 
You know, that's what, what self-help will tell you to do. Go out and become a better person. Go out and try harder, try harder, try harder. But yet, whenever I'm looking at the Scripture, I see it says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Know your enemy. He is there. Satan is coming after you. He's planting these things in your life and says, listen, you can't let them stay there. Running the race, there's a lot of hurdles. Let us fix our eyes continues here. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him. You know, Jesus had this. He didn't have sin strongholds. He had the enemy face to face. They were taking him. They were nailing him to the cross. And he had all the power at his command. And yet, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And God says, listen, I want you to know you're going to deal with sin. He says, cast it off. Cast it off. It has no place in our life. And I want to encourage every one of us to go home and do inventory and look at your life and say, where are the strongholds that God wants to get rid of? God wants to remove them in my life. I have been justifying them. I have been, been saying this is okay over here and over here and over here. It, or, or I've been irritated. I've been trying to shake it off. and I can't get rid of it. Either way, these are strongholds. And God's saying, listen, I want to remove these. And you didn't know how free you could be until you were without that stronghold. Most people that have a stronghold, and we all have them, they go in that stronghold and they think it gives them comfort. It does nothing. It does not give you comfort. Sin is always deceptive. Sin is always deceitful. Sin always makes you think you're getting more. You're always getting less. Always. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And you know what? This is exactly what, what, what Paul was saying over in Philippians 1.6. He says, being confident of this very thing. Read this with me. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who has begun the good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God started the work in your life, and he is going to finish it. And so as you're you're going through this journey, don't let Satan come in to start a new work. God started the work in your life. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, Jesus, Jesus kept his course. Jesus kept his tongue. Jesus kept his progress. Jesus kept his joy. They were hunting the whole last year of his ministry. They're hunting to kill him. And you don't see him in the Bible saying, oh, my goodness, his life is so hard. He had joy, the joy that was set before him. He goes into the garden, and he's praying. He's sweating blood, drops of blood, sweat tears, uh, blood tears coming out of his forehead. And, and his closest people to him couldn't even stay awake and pray. He was abandoned by everybody. He kept his joy. He kept his love. You may be thinking a stronghold is impossible to have victory, but I want to share with you that victory is possible. You can have victory if you will believe. Say that with me. Victory is possible if you will believe. And and how do I know that? How can I say, you know, it's, it's not like, hey, I think I can, I think I can, I know I can believe. I'm going to go to a passage here. I'm going to read a few verses, then I'll put, put a few selected verses up here. But this is from the, uh, the book of Mark, chapter 9. Jesus was going out, and, and they were doing miracles, and they were feeding people. And then he would come back, and he would teach, and then he'd go back and keep doing the miracles. 
And uh, this is Mark 9, 15. When, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with, with awe, and they ran out to greet him. We're not there yet, so we're going to come to that. When, uh, they, were, they were overwhelmed, and, and they ran out with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. Now verse, verse 17. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit sees it, he continues on, and we'll leave that verse there. Uh, whenever the spirit sees it, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirits, and they couldn't do it. And Jesus says to them, oh, you faithless people. How long must I be with you? Now listen, he's talking, you want to talk about a stronghold? The, man, the man's son was possessed. And he came to the helpers of Jesus and they couldn't help him. And Jesus says, you faithless people, how long must I deal with this? Bring me the boy. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the boy into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked. And the boy's father replied, since he was a little boy. In verse 22, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Have mercy and help us if you can. And look what he, and Jesus replies. Look at Jesus' reply here. If you can? Now, I I just want you to catch this. This is the God of the universe, and, and the man says, help us if you can? And Jesus replies, if I can. Be like talking to Jim Watts, right? You know what I'm talking about? Just say, Jim, can we do this? Jim, be like, if I can, you know? Jesus says, if I can? All things are possible for the one who believes. Don't doubt my power. Do you believe? I think that's the problem with many strongholds. We know that God has the power. We just don't believe that he'll do it. And God's very clear here. And he goes on, and the spirit, the, the spirit comes out of this boy. Uh, verse 23, what do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I think this is where we've got to go today. And Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was, was, was growing, and he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. I think that's what we need in our life. The spirit of God that says, stronghold, I command you to come out of my child's life. But you know what? We don't even take it to Jesus. We try to fight it in our own battle. We try harder and harder, and all we do is end up in guilt. The spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him, and the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd, and the people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. And afterward, Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, and they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out the devil? The disciples were like, Why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said, This kind can only be cast out by prayer.
and by fasting. Folks, there's things in your life. There's some strongholds God's put in your family. It hurts, doesn't it? As a parent, you look at your kids and you cry. The only way is through prayer. And we don't know God's timetable, but we know that he is able. For some of you, it's not in your kids, it's in you. It's in your life, and you're you're dealing with pride, arrogance, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness. These are all places the Satan says, I gotcha. You thought you could excel. Satan says, as long as you got to drag me around, you're not excelling. Jesus says, oh, I can do this. 1 John 4, 4. He says, you have conquered. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you, Jesus Christ, the moment you trusted Jesus, he came and he died. He he paid all your sin. That was all taken care of. When you trusted him, he stepped into you and he walks with you. He's with you every step of the day. And the way you're going to defeat that stronghold, you're no match for Satan. He wants to eat you alive. But he who is in me can destroy him. Wow. That's the way I want to live. That's the way I want to encourage you to live. Over in uh, Proverbs 24, 16, and I'm going to wrap up on this verse this morning. It's the last verse on the slides. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Read that with me. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. David was a man after God's own heart. Though he fall, he rise again. The wicked, trouble comes, they don't want any more. They run. I want to encourage you. That stronghold, you've fallen many times to it. And you may continue to struggle. I'm reminded of Ranga Mender. Ranga Mender is a powerful testimony in our church. Um, he's gone on to be with the Lord about 12 years ago, I think. Um, he, he was on staff here. And I remember hearing stories of Pastor John going up and getting him off the ladder, getting him off the roof. He was a roofer. And, uh, and, and he was an alcoholic. And it destroyed his life. It was destroying his family. And a very young Pastor John went up the ladder said, come on, get out of here. He was helping him take the sin that so easily entangled him and cast it off. And he said, I want you to follow Jesus. And he placed his eyes on Jesus. You know what Ron Gamender did? Oh, he had a little struggle as he came out of that. But God took that desire for a drink away from him. It was gone. And Ron Gamender was the craziest man ever in this church. He really was. We loved him. He was so much fun. But I'll tell you what, God conquered that stronghold. And he went on to be one of the greatest, like, in our church. He, he is history of this church. He really is. He's a big history of my life. I remember from the time I was in first grade. 
And he was real. He was authentic. And God removed a stronghold and gave him freedom. The righteous may fall seven times, but they rise. Jesus will change your life if you'll believe. So my question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Where's your eyes fixed today? Have you fixed your eyes on Jesus? And do you believe that he'll do it? Like, you've got to come to him, God, I believe. I believe you're going to give me victory. I believe. Let's close in prayer. Well, their heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I want to take you to Jesus. I want to take you to the, to the cross where Jesus is at. And, and I want you to see your stronghold nailed to that cross this morning. I want you to visualize it with me. That stronghold that's in your life, the stronghold that's in your family, I want you to visualize it nailed to the cross. And God says, listen, I, I, I can do this. And I am going to do this. And you're going to come to the power of God Almighty this morning. Here in the building, online, would you meet with God right now? Satan has no place in your life. No place. You're the child of the Most High God. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person today. And this morning I want to invite each person in this room and online, I want to invite you to Jesus. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ken, I've never trusted Jesus as my personal Savior. I want to invite you to pray right now and trust him and just call on him and say, Dear God, I thank you for dying on the cross. I give you my sin right now, Lord. You paid for my sin. You conquered it. You rose from the dead. You came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my heart and my life right now. God, transform me. Take these giants and defeat them. And for others, maybe you've followed God for a long time, but you've been letting strongholds in your life. Would you come before the Lord with the weapons that he's given us? Prayer, his word, and defeat them. Lord God, we ask that you'll be with us. Transform us. Remove these strongholds from the life of the believers. In your name we pray. Amen. Weren't you glad to be here this morning? God is so good. God is so good. Two things on your way out. I have more verses out there. If you didn't get them last week, they're, they're in the foyer that you can take them and you, they're, they're on the table. Uh, there's one on peace and anxiety and the other on who I am in Christ. I want to encourage you. Let's start memorizing God's word. Maybe one of these days I'll give you a verse test. See how you do, right? No, I'm just kidding, all right? But uh, I, w- I want to encourage you to, to, to memorize them, hide them in your heart. And I also want to say welcome to Donna Penley. Donna is here. She watches from Atlanta every week. Can we thank God for that, huh? And Georgia, okay. Oh, Kingsland, Kingsland, Georgia. Okay, close enough. Atlanta's, it's below the Mason-Dixie line. We know you're with us, all right? But she is faithful every Sunday. She's on our internet campus, Worldwide International Ministries, right? God bless you. Thank you. Have a great day. Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name.